Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about having a renewed mind, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and having a different mindset, having a different philosophy, a different way of thinking, a way of thinking that lines up with the Word of God, which is the best mindset to have, a mind that is in concert with the Word of God. And we talked about being renewed and how that we're to be renewed after the express image, as it says in Hebrews, express image of Jesus Christ. And that word express image means character, character. And it's, it was an engraving tool. It's an exact impression. Jesus was, when he walked on the earth, he was an expression, an, an, an express image. And he was, so he was that exact impression of himself, really, of the Trinity, of the Godhead, as he walked on the earth. And so we're to be in that same image, as Colossians says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And what that means about spirit of your mind is the mindset, you know, your bent, how you think. Do you have a Christian worldview? Do you have a biblical, more, more better way to say it, a biblical worldview? How do we think? How do we, and how we think and our mindset and being renewed it determines, you know, to the level that we're renew, renewed determines the level of life that we live. And we're talking about that character, express image, meaning character, is the character, it's the nature of God, and we're to be renewed after that because we were born with that sin nature that we're, we're born into. So our, our sin nature's got to be renewed, and we've got to be renewed uh, on a daily basis. It's an ongoing, it's a process, but it's also positional. It's something where I can say I have a renewed mind, but I'm also being renewed. Okay, so it's a process because you're constantly being changed from glory to glory. And that word glory meaning that character of God there, be in His likeness, okay? So what we want to talk about this morning is gratitude, which is a character trait. Gratitude, and gratitude is thanksgiving. It's like I just recently got a puppy, and I've been talking about I got a dog, and so I got a puppy for the family. I didn't necessarily want to in my flesh, kind of, you know, my desire. I didn't really want to have this puppy, but I got this puppy for the family, and the puppy's cute, and I love him, and he laid on my lap yesterday for a couple hours while, you know, on the couch, and he, you know, slept and all that, and I was rubbing his little head, and he was just so cute, and all that stuff, right? But when I first got this puppy, my children, and especially my wife, this is my wife's dog, expressed gratitude to me, expressed thanks for allowing us to get a dog and going up and getting it and doing all the, the, the stuff. So, and... My wife didn't just thank me once. See, each day she loves the dog. And she said, thank you for letting us get it. Thank you for the dog. Because I think she was wondering if it was ever even going to happen. Okay? Because they had all been asking. They want this thing. They think they want this dog. Uh, puppy. Puppy. I got to call. Okay. It's not a fur ball. Puppy. They want the puppy. And I, you know, relented. And we got the puppy, and they are thankful. They are thankful, so they express their gratitude to me. But I want to talk about gratitude in a little different way. I don't want to say, oh, the definition of gratitude is giving thanks to God and this and that and, and how we treat each other. And then we're going to talk a little bit on how we give gratitude to one another. But I want to talk about gratitude a little differently this morning. I want to talk about how that gratitude can guard your very soul. That gratitude can guard your very soul. And so the title of this morning's message is Guard Yourself 
with gratitude. Guard yourself with gratitude. And see, the thing is, is that we know that the enemy, we have enemies against our soul, and they're, they're, they're all around us and all the time, just as it says in John, says that, and Satan's one of those enemies, and it says that he, you know, talking about Satan's, he is the father of lies, right? So, and he's always wanting to kill, steal, and destroy, and so we know that that's in the scripture as well, and he's seeking who he can devour. I mean, we've got these scriptures, we know that he's on the prowl, he's always on the attack, he's looking to mess you up because he doesn't like you, he doesn't like me, but we also have another enemy, and that's called ourselves. You know, the old self, that old nature, right, that tries to rise up again, that hasn't yet been maybe fully renewed the way it's supposed to be to the Word of God. So we have that old nature also as an enemy that tries to creep up and tell us to be like we used to be, how that, you know, when we got saved, we changed, and and we're not doing the things that, that we were doing before, but that old nature will creep up every once in a while, and it'll it'll mess with us a little bit. And there's something that 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 always works when it comes to defeating self and it comes to defeating the enemy. There's something that the enemy hates is giving thanks to God. Giving thanks to God. Giving gratitude to God. See, God is the ultimate authority. He is the supreme authority. And when you give thanks, and this is, and this is why, you know, you've heard me talk about authority a little bit over just kind of laced throughout the messages. And we're going to continue to do that and be in, because I want to show, the, show you the importance of authority. And see, even in a society that they don't want to submit to authority, they don't want to obey authority, they don't want to do these kind of things. But the thing is, is that when you give thanks and you give gratitude to the greatest authority in the universe, you are protected. Your very soul is protected. And see, that's something that, and that's where it starts. And then when you start to give thanks and gratitude to other authorities, as we'll, we'll talk about as well, then, you're, then, you're, then you've moved over to not just protection, now you've moved over into blessing. See? So see, there's, that's why this, it's so important. That's why authority is important. Being renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's a mindset of how you, it's a mindset of how you view authority on the earth. And see, we live in a culture that, that, that wants to just do what they want to do all the time. And that's supposed to be freedom and liberty. But just as we learned last week, that true freedom and liberty is being a servant of God. And that's an oxymoron, you know, really to the world because, you know, that doesn't make sense to them. The word servant or the word slave, you know, that doesn't make sense. But when you're enslaved to Christ, you're free. When you're not a servant or you're not enslaved to Christ, you're bound. But gratitude is a guardian, and God has appointed gratitude as one of the essential guardians of our soul. It's a weapon that we can use against our enemy. You know, when we kindle that deep sense of thankfulness to the Lord, it's something takes place that helps us the way we think, the way we act. It brings blessings. It does so many things. But it's so important because it's important to us, and we've got to understand this and know this because it guards our soul. Now, I want to look at Colossians this morning. We're going to look at eight verses, and I want to break down. We're going to do a little expository, so I'm going to teach a little bit this morning. But I might just preach as well. Is that okay? We do a little bit of both, all right? But, but I want to, to break down these eight verses just a little bit and get into this. And I'll say first, you know, Colossians was written by Paul to combat dangerous false teaching that was supplanting you know, the centrality and the supremacy of Christ and His authority. See, there was some teaching that had started coming into that church, that body of believers in Colossae. 
you know, and, and so the Colossians, you know, they, they started buying into some of these, you know, false teachings. And so Paul was writing this letter, and he's writing to, to kind of come against some of that and to establish back the truth that, that, that can only be found in Christ. See, you can only find that freedom and liberty we're talking about in Christ, not in man's philosophy, not in man's ways, not in what they say, but what God says. And so we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and look at this and break this down. First, let's go ahead and read. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face. And this, you know, Laodicea is really close to Colossae. These are churches that were birthed out of the three-year ministry that Paul had to the church at Ephesus, okay? So let's continue. In verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy an empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So Paul begins chapter 2 here in verse 1. And he's saying how hard he has struggled. He is struggling for the Colossians and the Laodiceans. And this struggle, you know, it could have referred to prayer struggle and really being in prayer. Is this cutting out way too much? If it is, everybody's got me? Okay. If, if it does, let me know. I'll switch mics. So he, it could have referred to a prayer struggle because we know in chapter 4, Paul mentions that he is writing this from prison. Now, this prison in all likelihood was the house, you know, most theolo theologians believe that it was the house arrest that he was in in, uh, in, in Rome. So when he was there in Rome, and so he couldn't leave, but people could still come and visit him. And there's reasons for that as well, and we'll, we'll get into that. But this struggle that he was referring to, it could have been a prayer struggle, but it all could have referred to him preparing. There's two individuals that are also mentioned in chapter 4, that he's preparing these two individuals. It was Tychicus and Onesimus, and he's preparing these people to go and minister to them. So it could have referred to that struggle as well. I think it's just all wrapped up in one. He's talking about this struggle for them because they've been deceived by some of these things, these philosophies of men. And so now he's, you know, he's struggling with this. Because why? He loves these people. He loves them. He loves this church. He loves this body. And so he has this struggle. And so he starts off saying he's got this. And then, you know, Paul two, uh, verse 2, Paul's telling us the reason why he's calling attention to his struggles. You know, it's not like, you know, you just start talking to someone and you just tell them your struggles for no reason, just, just for whatever. You know, we have a reason why we share our struggles. Well, he, he shares this with them and he says that their hearts might be encouraged. And Paul's saying this because he believes if he knows how, if they know 
how he's suffering, how he's struggling. Because in chapter 1, verse 24, he states how that he is suffering for them. So he's saying, you know, if he believes, you know, he, he believes that he can do something here. He's saying, you know, if I struggle just a little bit, if I, if I share with them this struggle and I, I share with them this suffering, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll see here that, you know, my love for them and how much, you know, I care about them and, and, and all of those things. So, and then he's saying here, now I rejoice, or that, excuse me, that they will be encouraged and strengthened in their faith. We see this in, in, in verse 2 as well, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love. In other words, is Pauling, he's telling this because he wants to draw them together in love. He wants to draw them to him in love, back to the way it was before. Like, listen, you've got this deception going on, but you've got to understand, I'm struggling, I'm hurting here, I'm preparing these people here, I'm doing this here. Look, you have got to remember the love that you had for one another. Remember that love, you've got to be knit together because everything starts and begins and ends with love. Many times I've talked about that first and greatest command, which is to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Everything begins and ends with love. Remember the love for one another. Remember this. He continues on. He says this, attaining to all. Why? Why does he say all this about the love? To attaining all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So you get assured understanding. You see this assurance of understanding. You get this assurance of understanding about the mystery of God, and it's obtained through love. I like what John Piper, he says this, he's a theologian, he says this, the deepest and most certain insights into the character of God and the wisdom of God come into heads that are attached to loving hearts. See, Paul understands this. That's why he says, I'm sharing these struggles with you, how I care so much for you so that your hearts would be knit together and your heart would be knit together with me. Because he understands that everything comes back around to love. He understands that the insights into God and his character to really have insight into God's character to really understand the mystery of God You've got, to be under, you've got to have that love for him. You've got to have the love for one another, that first and greatest second commandment. Paul understands that without love, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get free from the deception that they've been under because they've been tainted a little bit. It's not like they don't understand all the truth because they've been taught they know, but they're not going to get free from all of that until they get back to loving God like they should and their hearts being knit together one with another. And so Paul is writing this, this letter to encourage them, but he's also writing this letter because of these false teachings and the deception that the church was under. We see this in verse 4. I say this so that no one, no one will delude you with persuasive argument. So we can see in these first four verses how that sacrificial struggle leads to love. Love leads to a short understanding of God so that you can really get it and understand it. A short understanding leads to strong encouragement. Encouragement guards from delusion, which gratitude is the completion of encouragement. And then in verse 5, we see the motive all through here. We, you know, all the things that he said so far, and if you go back in chapter 1, we don't have time to break all that down, but we see the motive for why Paul wants the believers 
you know, to, to, to hear him, hear what I'm writing. Listen to what I'm saying here. He says this, For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. So Paul wants them to stand firm because he delights in their good order and firmness of faith. See, we've got to understand that Paul birthed many churches. He loves these people. He loves them. And he wants them to be firm to stand firm in their faith. See, the scripture says to stand fast and, and, you know, stand fast and being firm in your faith so that you don't return to the yoke of bondage, so you don't do the things that you did before. You don't fall to the things that, that the world would say or the philosophies of men. And see, these people in this church have gotten, have lost sight of that. They've lost sight of their love for one another. They haven't stand firm in their faith. They haven't remembered what they were taught and learned. They didn't remember it. They got away from it. And now they've been deluded a little bit. And now we get to our point here as we're coming through in, in verse, sixes, verse 6 through, through 8. Let's look at verse 8 first. <clears throat> See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. This corresponds with verse 4, verses 6 through 8, are are the same as the first four verses. They're just saying a little different way. They take it a little bit further. We're taking verse 4 a little further because verse 4 says that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. Now he's saying, see to it that no one takes you captive to, through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. See, men and their philosophy, their wisdom can get us messed up. We've got to be very careful when we listen to science and all the things. And science is good. I'm not discounting it. But there's holes in science. And like I said before, God fills in the holes. God fills in the holes. The things we don't understand, that's where we look to God. And we may never understand it all, and we're not gonna, but that's why I have faith in God. That's why it's called faith. If we understood it all, church, you wouldn't need faith. What would be the purpose for faith if you just understood everything, right? You gotta have faith. You gotta have faith. Light bulbs just turned on for some of you. I know it. Notice how that Paul begins stating that he was encouraging them. He's encouraging them. And that's because he wants them to be overflowing with gratitude. This is because gratitude is the completion of encouragement. At the end there in verse 7, overflowing with gratitude. You know how God can give you a revelation sometimes. You see something in the Word, or He speaks to you. You're praying. God gives you a revelation. And then, well, what completes that revelation? He encourages you. He gives you. What completes that? What do you do? You say, thanks to God. God, thank you, because you're excited, and you say, God, thank you. I see you working and moving in my life. Lord, thank you. You're overflowing with that gratitude. When God moves in your life, he does something, he works something out. It's a circumstance, there's a situation, something happens, and then you see that, and you, you attribute it to God. Then you say, thank you, God. Thank you. You're overflowing with gratitude at that time, you're, you're, you're doing that. See, there's four things I want to, that are very important about these verses in 6 and 7, about these believers that I want to break down and look at. Number one, they were taught 
the truth of Christ. We see this in verse 7, just as you were instructed. Now, see, they've been in deception, but they were taught. Now you say to your child, you know better. Why? Because I, I taught you, you know better, right? When they get a little off base, you know better than that. That's what we say. The, in, the, these people in Colossae, they knew better. Number two, they received him. In verse six, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord. Number three, they became rooted and built up and established in Christ. Verse 7, we see this, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him. So now we got these three things that are established in these verses. They were taught the truth of Christ. They received Him. They were even rooted and built up and established in Christ. This is good. This is really good. But yet, they got deceived a little bit by philosophies of man they got deluded how could this happen how could this be that a christian these body of believers these christians could get deceived is because they lacked number four number four they were they were to live a certain way and they didn't they didn't they were to live a certain way which is gratitude, overflowing with gratitude in verse 7. In verse 6 it says, so walk in Him. See, when you walk in Christ, you're going to be overflowing with gratitude. Overflowing with gratitude. They forgot that part. And so that Satan, you know, that enemy, and the enemies of the old, our old nature that are all around us, we know the enemy is the father of lies, and he works through men and women. Our, we know that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but he works through others many times. And so we have these philosophies of men, persuasive arguments, as it said in verse 4, that deluded them. Why? Because as they were learning, as they did these first three, they were taught the truth of Christ. They received and they were rooted and built up. They were established, but they forgot to give thanks. They forgot to give thanks. It's like God gives you a blessing. He starts working. He's moving your life. But you don't acknowledge him. You don't give him the thanks. You start to get puffed up in yourself. Like, oh, things are just going so good. I am the man. You put a little hitch in your step. Things are just going so good. And then you start hearing some enticing things about this or that, some things that don't necessarily run up with the word, but it sounds really good. And you're like, hmm. And so you take that on and you become deluded. See, when we don't give proper due to the ultimate authority, when we don't give proper thanks to the one who gave us life, we don't give proper thanks to the ones who created the heavens and the earth. We don't give proper thanks to the one who supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. That's when we get messed up. That's when we open ourselves up for attack of the enemy. 
See, don't pat yourself on the back too good when you do that fried turkey and it tastes real good and everybody's, you know, man, you fried it good. Man, this is so good. Oh, my goodness. You just need to do like what Elder Joe does. He says, glory be to God. He is my example. I'm going to tell you, he is my example of gratitude. He doesn't take it for the glory for himself. It don't matter if he did it or not. He gives all glory to God because he knows where the talent to even do that came from. Everything came from God. Everything came from the creator. It's all him. It's all about him. I give thanks to him in Romans. Justin, I'm going to go ahead and do that, I think. I'm going to use your iPad for a minute. In Romans, Paul accuses those who have seen the evidence of God's power and His deity and nature, but didn't respond in gratitude. In Romans 1.21, it says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. Or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. See, if you don't respond to God in thanks for what He's done, your heart will be darkened. You'll end up surrendering yourself to the lies of Satan and allowing him to put blinders on you. Now, this word heart's not your actual heart. This is the soul of the mind. When you look at heart in the Greek here in this verse, it's the soul or the mind, the seat of the intellect, meaning the mind or understanding. In other words, it's how you think. How you think, your mindset When you forget to give thanks to God or you don't give gratitude to Him, you don't thank Him, your mindset will begin to change because now you've opened yourself up to hear philosophies of men and the voice of the enemy. In this this Romans chapter 1, in verse 18, see, we see this. See, what he was talking to, when Paul was talking here in Romans, he's talking to those who have seen all of this. He's, they've seen nature. They saw God. They, all the evidence is right there for him, but yet they rejected it. In verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and right, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. It was evident. The things around them, but yet they didn't give thanks to God. In verse 20, he says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. The evidence is clear. When you look around that God created the heavens and the earth, you can see it in nature, you can see it all around. It explains all the things that science can't explain. God has the answers. I've seen the miraculous. You can't tell me there's no God, so I will always give Him thanks no matter what because I do not want my heart to be darkened. No matter what. And these people here that Paul's talking about, they've rejected God. By not giving him thanks, we see it in verse 21 again, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. In verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. You know, all this intellectual stuff out there. It sounds so smart and they're smart. I I get it. And they're smarter than me. It is getting hot. 
In verse 23, they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and, and of birds, of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, they gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be... Let's go back to 23. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. This was like prophetic because this is exactly what we see now and what scientists say now. They exchanged the image of God, the incorruptible God, for an image saying man is God. And an animal, like an animal, we're nothing more than animals. That's what the scientists would have you believe. So you could go ahead and do what you want, whatever desires that you have. Oh, it's okay to sleep around. If you feel like clicking on the image on the computer screen and watching the stuff you shouldn't be, that's okay. That's not a problem. That's all right. We're only human. We're only this. But see, we are to be in the express image of God. His character, his mindset, his bent. How does he think? I need to think how he thinks. And the only way I can protect my renewed mind, the only way, church, that you're going to protect your renewed mind is by giving thanks. You see it here in Colossians. They didn't give, they weren't overflowing with gratitude. Therefore, they became deluded in their thinking. We see it in Romans because they saw it all in nature. God said they were without, they were without excuse. They rejected him anyways, and they didn't give thanks or honor him. And the only way to protect yourself is to give honor and thanks to God. They knew God. They knew He was real. They knew what they were doing. It says they were without excuse, but they didn't give Him thanks anyways. That's where they failed. That's where they failed. You can know God. You can come to Him. You could be those four things we put on the screen. You can be taught the truth of Christ. You can receive Him. You can become rooted and built up and established in Christ. But if you forget the fourth thing which is to walk in Him and to be overflowing with gratitude, you will be deluded in your mind. You will open yourself up to the enemy. This is how important gratitude is. This is how important it is. It's not, you know, just so that, you know, we talk about, you know, the character, the character trait of having gratitude, of being thankful. It's not just so we can, you know, be nice to people because God wants us to be nice and loving because God does. He wants you to be all those things. But this is for our protection. This is for our protection so that we do not allow ourselves to be opened up to the enemy and the the vain philosophies of man so that we can keep our renewed mind. We can keep our mindset. A couple more illustrations of gratitude's role as guardian. In Colossians 4, 2, it reads, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. See, watchful, the idea of being watchful here is vigilance, attentiveness, cautiousness. 
We see this in the garden. Jesus admonished the disciples to watch and pray. He said in, in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you what? May not enter into temptation. This, same, this word watch is the same Greek word that was used in Colossians. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. See, now we have it. Jesus said, watch and pray. And then Paul took it a step further. He said, watch and pray with what? Thanksgiving. That's how we do it. It's it's a watch, being careful, being attentive. And, you know, we don't necessarily think of it that way. We don't think of it in those terms. Because, you know, we say thank you to someone or we say thank you to God. We don't see that as a protection mechanism for us. We don't see it as protecting our heart, our mindset. We don't see it that way. But God's saying, see it that way. Right here in Colossians. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're also to have gratitude in our interactions with others. See, we're to give thanks to the supreme ultimate authority, which is God. We're also to give thanks with one another. In Ephesians 5, verse 4, it says, And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Giving of thanks. I want to read this from my notes. Theologian John Piper, he says this in regards to this verse right here. How can we guard ourselves against a foul or frivolous mouth? How can we guard ourselves against a mouth that is foul with criticism and bitterness and blaming and defensiveness and resentment and complaining and sarcasm and disrespect and ridicule and cynicism? And how can we guard ourselves against a mouth that is just flippant and trivial and silly and petty? The answer to both questions is fill your mouth with thanksgiving. When a group of people get together and the first people to speak speak words of gratitude, the conversation seldom degenerates. The group is guarded from sin with gratitude. With gratitude. You know that person that you get around and they just can't help but talk bad about others? You know who that person is, right? They got that. They just start gossiping. They just start talking bad. You know, they're this and that. But you know you got to show up to work and you got to see them anyways. Or you know you got to, you know, show up to that function. Or maybe it's the family function this coming Thursday with the Thanksgiving holiday and you're like, oh my goodness, I got to see that family member again. Oh my gosh. You know what? Walk in there and when you see them, start the conversation with, I thank God for you. I thank God for you. The conversation will not degenerate after that. You are able to set the atmosphere. You are able to set the atmosphere for protection for yourself and even for others. You guard yourself with gratitude and guard the atmosphere with gratitude, with thanksgiving. As you come into that room, you've already been prayed up, you know who they are, you sit down and you just give thanks to God and say, I thank God for you. Have I told you just how much I appreciate you? I thank you. I thank God for you. And then just begin to talk positive. 
Just begin to talk about good things. Just watch the atmosphere change. Just watch it go. And if somebody tries to interfere and the enemy's working through something, he tries to just say something again and just thank God. And say something thankful again. You can change the whole atmosphere. Can we all stand? How many this morning? You say, TJ, I've got that holiday coming up. And I know that I need to just, and, and you know, Thanksgiving as a thing, you know, I need to think of gratitude, giving thanks in a different way. You can just say, you know, I need to think of it a little different. This is a protection for my soul. How many could say, say, hey, I wasn't thinking of it that way I am now. How many could say that right now? Yeah, you can say, all right. I believe that that's, that, that that's what God wants to do. He wants to give us new revelation where we can have and be victorious. And, and we, the Scripture says that we are the head, we are not the tail. And all things are under our feet. And so many times, you know, we, we're surrounded by those enemies and the enemy gets a foothold and gets a stronghold. And we're like, why is this happening? It's because of truths like this that we need to be able to get a hold of in His Word. Church, I can't stress it enough. Be in the Word. Be in the Word. Look at the key words. Look at the phrases. Look at the things. Begin to look at the Word a little different when you read. Begin to look at what He says when He says, Blessed are those that do this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they are filled. Begin to look at the key What are the things that I need to do? Look at the things that... You know, when he says in the Word, don't do this or this will happen, pay special attention. (laughs) Those are the parts. And when Paul, when you're looking at the writings of Paul and you're looking at these letters and you're looking at Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and and you're looking at these ones and you're looking at Romans and he says, you know, Romans 4, he says, walk in newness of life. How do I do that? Look at those verses around it. Look at, break it down. Apply it to your life. And this morning, that's what we want to do. We want to apply this message. We want to apply a spirit of gratitude to our lives right now. We want to open ourselves up to God, be vulnerable for Him for just a moment. We want to say to God and acknowledge Him as the supreme ultimate authority on the face of this earth and in this universe. Be vulnerable before Him and say, God, I give you thanks for everything. The scripture says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So in everything. So I open myself up for him. And I give thanks in everything. I'm going to be vulnerable for him. And then I'm going to take it a step further. When I leave here, I'm going to see who I can thank. And I can give the and thank them for just just who they are. Just thanking God. I just want to thank you, God, for you, for who you are, and that you're in my life. That you're in my life. Thank you for what you do. Amen. Can we do that here this morning, church? Let's lift our hands. Those that will, those that want this thankfulness, this attitude, this spirit of gratitude. Father God, right now, we open ourselves up to you. We say we're vulnerable here this morning before you. 
Lord, search our hearts. If there be any wicked way, as David said, search me, O God. If there be any wicked way, take it from us. Lord, forgive us where we haven't given thanks. Forgive us where we haven't come to you and acknowledged you with that spirit of gratitude. And right now, Lord, I thank you for just pouring in that spirit of gratitude to each person that has their hand raised right now. I thank you for doing a marvelous work here this morning, right now, during this season, this time, during this Thanksgiving holiday, Lord, that we would understand and realize that having this spirit of gratitude is for our own sake so that we can protect ourselves and protect the environment that we are in. Lord, and I think that we can change environments. We can change the room where we are. We can change, Lord, others around us through having a spirit of thanks and gratitude, showing love to one another in Jesus' name. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Lord, you are God. You, we, we thank you that it is done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord thanks? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.